All right. It's finally arrived. Today we begin our, our eight-week series on relationships called Love Is. Love Is. And today the, the topic we're looking about at is uh, Love Leads. So we're excited to share this with you this morning. You know, if you are uh, single or whether you're married or maybe you're single again, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're not a parent, maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're just a really good friend or Maybe you're in a business relationship, partnership with somebody, whatever kind of relationship you find yourself in. This series is for you. It's for you because we're going to talk about the kind of love that makes all relationships healthy. The kind of love that makes all relationships work. And we're really excited to bring that to you. You know, the um, the state of relationships in our world today I think we could all say it's very broken. It's very broken. It may be broken in your life. It may not be broken in your life. But as you look around you, the, the state of health of relationships is very, very broken. And the reason for that is this. The Bible says that the enemy, uh, Satan, he is a, he's a thief. And the Bible says that he has come to steal. And he's come to kill. And he's come to destroy But I've got good news this morning. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And what we find is, is that this life of Jesus somehow hasn't hasn't affected or or maybe totally transformed the relationships in our lives. This this abundant life that he's promised, for some reason, it's it's missing or it's, it's not affecting our close relationships. Why is that? I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13 this morning. John chapter 13, and this is going to be our our primary text, not just for today, but as we look at this entire series, this is our passage. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on here. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, probably my my five most favorite chapters In the New Testament. And here's why. Jesus is. uh, He's sharing his his farewell message. Some of his last words with his disciples before he goes to the cross. How many of you know last words are really, really important to listen to? So he's in the upper room with the twelve disciples. And they just had the, the Lord's Supper together. We call communion. They just had the Lord's Supper together. And, and at that point, Judas gets up from the table. Remember Judas? He's the false brother or the false disciple. He gets up from the table. He leaves the room and he's going to leave to go betray Jesus. And so now there's just 11 left in the room. And Jesus uses a term to describe the 11 that remain that, that he doesn't use anywhere else in the Gospels. And the term is this. He calls them my children. Before Judas had left the room, he never used that term. But once Judas left the room, he said, you're my children. And then he began to share some things with his children that he hadn't shared with him them before. Some new information he began to share deeply from his heart with them. And we're going to look at that this morning and beginning in verse number 33 of John 13. And he said, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. And you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. 
And we'll pause for a moment. We know that when he said, where I'm going, you cannot come. He was referring to um, he was referring to the trial that he was just about to endure, the cross that he was going to. And, and then he said this, and this is our key verse in verse number 34. He said this, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So here in this passage, Jesus is, is telling them some new things. He's giving them some new information that they had never heard before. And the first thing he gives them is this new command. That word new doesn't mean like recent. That word new means fresh. He's saying, I'm giving you a new command or a fresh command. And the fresh command is this. Love one another. Now, when I read that, I thought that doesn't sound new. That doesn't sound fresh to me. Right. Doesn't the Old Testament talk a lot about love? Doesn't the Old Testament tell us to love each other? Doesn't the Old Testament say, love your neighbor? So how can this be a new or a fresh command? Well, in fact, it is new and it is fresh. And it is because three things are fresh. Three things are new about this new command. The first thing that is new is that it's a new focus. It's a new focus. The old command had a focus. The old command had a focus. And the focus was love your neighbor. The new command has a focus and it's love one another. And you're like, well, what's the difference between the old command and the new command? Love your neighbor, we understand, means love anyone who has a need, right? Love anyone who has a need. Love the Samaritans. Love your enemies. Love everybody who has a need. But the love one another is different. The new focus of love one another means you love the people who are closest to you. When Jesus said these words, remember, he said those words to who? To the 11 disciples that were in the room, those closest to him, he called them my children. He was saying the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, they're to love one another in a different way than you would love your neighbor. So this new command comes with a new focus to love one another. It also comes with a new standard. Remember the old command to love your neighbor? What was the standard? How do you measure that? As you love yourself. But this new commandment has a new standard. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. So he's saying, I don't want you to love one another. Close brothers and sisters, close people in your life. I don't want you to love one another as you love yourself. I want you to love one another as I love you. New standard. Oh my goodness. Way up there standard. Those people closest to you, your children, your spouse, your best friend, those people closest to you in the family of God, those people in your small groups, we love each other differently than we love the rest of the world. That's what Jesus said. And here's the standard. Love them as I love you. And we're going to spend some time digging into that here in a moment. But finally, the third thing that's new about this new command is it has a new purpose. Not only a new focus, a new standard, but a new purpose. And the new purpose is this. He said this. And let me read it to get it right for you this morning. By this, 
Jesus said, everyone will know. Know what? That you're my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are Christians. By your love for one another. We have to understand this morning that the purpose for having healthy relationships is not so much our happiness is as much as it is our mission. Don't make your relationships about you. Don't make relationships about your happiness, Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, make your close relationships about the mission I have given you. So that everyone will know that you're my disciples, that you're Christians. Listen, when we learn to love those closest to us in the way that Jesus loves us, how many of you know? People will know there's a God in heaven that loves them. This world will take notice. Everyone will know that you're my disciples. This entire series is about getting our relationships healthy. Not so we can be happy, but so we can better accomplish our mission. When we love one another as Christ loved us, we will lead all people from all backgrounds to real transformation in Christ. The church leader, Tertullian, he was born about 125 years after Christ left the earth. He is quoted where he quotes the pagan saying of the early Christians. Those early pagans said this about the early Christians. They said, see how they loved one another. See how they loved one another. And if you were to go back and read Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4, you're gonna, you'll get a really good picture of how that, that first church loved one another. Love is a great apologetic. Love is perhaps one of the greatest defense of our faith. How we treat our friends and our spouse, our kids, how we treat those in our small group, in our faith community, is perhaps our greatest apologetic, our greatest defense of our faith. I want to jump back down and, and now we're going to look at, we're going to dig in a little bit to um, the standard by which we are to measure love. The standard by which we are to measure love. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. Jesus said, I want you to love those closest to you as I have loved you. And to quote verbatim, he said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So the question then becomes is, how did Jesus love his disciples? How did he love his disciples? He took the lead. Jesus took the lead in loving his disciples because that's what love does. Love leads. It takes the lead. And that's the first characteristic of love that we're going to look at in this eight week series. Love leads. It says, I'm going to step out and I'm going to be the first one to love. So let's take a look at what does it mean for love to lead? Love leads first. Number one, first, I have to be loved by God. I have to be loved by God. How many of you say amen? amen? Jesus set the example for us that we first have to be loved by God before we can love one another. And I know that sounds really simple here, but I want you to look at a very profound passage with me in John chapter 15, verse number nine. We'll have it up on the screen for you. And this is what Jesus said. He said this, he said, as the father has loved me, 
so I have loved you. As the Father has loved me, that tells me this. Jesus needed to receive love from the Father before he could give the love. Love leads means that we have to first be loved by God. We have to receive something. Jesus was Jesus, but he still had to receive some love from his Father. Before he could then say, "As I, now I love you, he had to receive that kind of love. And I want, I want a couple people to help me up here this morning. Ricky, why don't you come up here and... And uh, Mike, why don't you come on up here? Let's see here. And then Sam, come on up here. My son, Sam. All right. Since Ricky is a little, little bigger and stronger than I am, he's going to be the father, okay? So father, come on over here. God the father right here. Ricky looks like God the father, doesn't he? <laughs> I love that. Okay, you, Sam, come on over here. All right, now, I, this is a stretch. God the father... God the Son. Let's pretend I'm Jesus this morning. I know it's a stretch, but let's try it. Okay, Mike, come on over here. Mike, we're going to pretend that Mike is John. He's, he's one of the apostles. He's John. He's, he's the, uh, the one loved by Jesus, right? So this is John right here. This is John. Okay. And then Samuel. Well, he's just Samuel. He's my son. He's amazing. He's my son, Samuel. Okay. So here's how it works. Here's how love works. Okay. Look at this verse on the screen. Jesus said, let's pretend I'm Jesus right here, right? Red blood. Okay, Jesus. As the father, and this is what Jesus said, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. And as I have loved you, you got it. So you must love one another. <laughs> Woo! Look at that. I feel the love, right? So the father loves Jesus. And let's just pretend, all right, just give me that man embrace, that, that guy, that... Uh, <laughs> All right. So, man, I feel loved by the Father. Jesus, like, man. Bring it in, bud. <laughs> and you got to wait your turn. And Jesus says, man, as the Father has loved me, man, I love you, John. Oh, I love you, John. John, now listen, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm feeling it. I am feeling it, man. I. Let's, yeah, let's just do that. Just join hands up here. Feel the love. Just feel the love. Oh, woo. Okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Oh, we're having a good time. <clears throat> we'll call it the love connection right here. The love connection. See, there's this chain reaction going on of love. Jesus received something from the Father. He gave it to John. John then, then loved Samuel. Right? But what happens if, if, if John says, you know what? Well, I'm not really worthy to receive the love of Jesus. What if John turned his back? When, when Jesus tried to love him, he turned his back. Right? Right there, the chain is broken. There's, there's something going on there. If John can't receive the love, John can't give the love. Right? Freely we have received. Freely we Regrive, right? The best lovers are the best receivers. Right? The best lovers are the best receivers. And let me say this. We can love well when we've been well loved. Okay? We went to Colorado. You guys can stay up here because I like you so much. Just stay up here from. We went to Colorado. We went hiking and <clears throat> we had these two-way radios, walkie-talkies. 
We thought, we're not going to get lost out here. You know, the girls go this way, the guys go that way, but we've got radios. We're good. So the boys take off. We want to climb this mountain. The girls stay on the trail. Smart, smart stuff over here. And we're up on this mountain. We're talking, hey, 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 back and forth, right? And I break the antenna off our radio, right? Right? I can't send messages. I can't receive messages. Listen, if my my receiver is broken, my transmitter is broken as well. I can't receive messages of love from God. I can't give messages of love from God. We're lost out there. I don't know where they're at. They don't know where we're at, right? There's no connection. And some of you, God wants to heal your receiver. He wants to put the antenna back on. So you can receive those love messages from God. So you can give those love messages. And I know this, you know, family of origin has a lot to do with whether our receivers are healthy or whether they're broken. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You may have grown up in an environment where you had to earn the gift of love. It wasn't a gift. You had to earn the gift and you were never good enough. You were never good enough to to receive that free gift of love. You didn't hear those words. I love you. You never received those. How can you give that? Listen, if you feel like you're a bad lover, okay. You're not good at loving those people close to you. It seems like when you try, they just, it pushes them away, right? It could be that the reason is your receiver is broken. The antenna on your, on your two-way radio, your walkie-talkie is broken. And God wants to heal that part of your heart. And I know that he can because I know he's done that for me. And can I tell you, he's not done. He's not done. Because I'll get up there and I'll be climbing a mountain again and I'll break that thing off again. And I'll try to try to receive messages and give and I can't. And I have to go back and I say, God, would you heal that 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 receiver in me again, that love receiver? You know, I've been through the ultimate journey, one of our small groups here. I've been through it a number of times. I'm probably ready for another uh, run at it. Right. Because how many of you know, things get damaged, things get broken along the way. So this morning, if you feel like you have a hard time giving the kind of love that Jesus gave that we read about, maybe your, your receiver is broken and God wants to heal that part of you. Love leads means you do this. You put yourself in a position to once again receive that love of God. You put yourself in a position for that part of your heart to be healed once again. You go to the ultimate journey. You put yourself before the Lord in a prayer meeting. You go to a counselor. You read the scriptures. You say, God, this thing is broken and only you can fix it. And I found this. God likes to fix that part of us through other people. Very, very powerful. That's how he does it. Can we give our, uh, our illustrations this morning a hand? Thank you, guys. Awesome, man. Love it. Thank you. All right. Okay, all right, I'll receive, all right. (laughs) I love it, man. Are we having fun? Let me tell you, as we go through this relationship series, we're going to have fun, right? But we're also going to be very real. We're going to be very real. We're going to be very transparent. I'm going to share things about my wife and I, about relationships I have with my kids and other people. I'm going to be very transparent with you. And and you're going to learn from my mistakes, (laughs) You're going to learn from my mistakes. You're going to learn from me. 
Didn't Jesus say, take my yoke, learn from me? I want you to learn from me uh, over the next uh, several weeks. Okay, so um, love leads means, number one, I have to be loved by God. Number two, love leads means I take responsibility for loving you. I take responsibility for loving you. Responsibility begins with the choice to love. I choose you. I choose to love you. And Jesus set the example on this. In John chapter 15, he said this. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. I took the initiative. I took responsibility. I reached out first. I didn't wait for you to, to build relationship with I didn't wait for you to come running after me. I came running after you while you were still sinners. I died for you. While you were my enemy, I went after you. Love takes responsibility. It doesn't wait for the other person. Well, if they would just come and apologize, then we could have things good, right? If they would just love me, if they would just submit, or if they would just serve, or if they would just this. Well, what about you? Lead yourself. Take responsibility for loving the other person. Love leads means I take responsibility. And I don't always take responsibility, and that's what gets me in trouble. We had a great vacation, but not all our moments together as a family for 10 days were great. <laughs> and if you've been together that much for that long, you understand what I'm talking about. And I got, I got grumpy and I got critical and I got uh, judgmental and I got, I, I was just a jerk. I just got an attitude, okay? I got an attitude and, and I'm just, nothing's right, nothing's going well. I'm picking on everything, everybody's doing it. Anne's in the kitchen of the place where we're staying. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to organize the kitchen. We've got all this food we brought with us. And, we, and, and, and it's like everywhere. And she's like, I'm going to consolidate and organize. How many of you are consolidators and organizers? And she says, let's get this thing in shape. So she starts taking all the food out of the original boxes and packaging and starts putting them in all these Ziploc bags, you know, and so that it can all fit in a smaller space. And she takes the box of raisins, God forbid, the box of raisins, and I love raisins and I love the box they come in. She begins to pour all the raisins into a Ziploc bag. I'm like, wait a minute, not the raisins. The raisins, why can't you leave the raisins in the original container? And I said it in a very condemning way, like, what a stupid thing to do. You're stupid. Why are you doing that? And she went, okay, dad. And she just kind of went along with it. But my wife didn't. <laughs> she, she heard and she says, can I talk to you for a moment? <laughs> Come on, guys. How many of you ever had one of those, right? And so we go into the bedroom and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and she goes, why do you feel like you have to control every little thing? You know what? I knew I was feeling that on the inside. It wasn't a surprise to me when she said that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just need somebody to say it out loud to go, mm, okay, time to do something. Why do you have to control every little thing? What's, why, don't, why can't we just have, why can't she put the raisins in a Ziploc bag? Who cares? Just let her do it. How about encouraging and affirming more? And then she said this, how about you take some responsibility for the, the, the good morale in our family? She's here this morning. Raise your hand if that's true. Okay. How about taking the responsibility for the good morale in our family? 
She was right. You know, the Bible says that a, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. And wounds from a friend can be trusted. That's what the Proverbs say. So I said, you know what, you're right. So that, at that moment, I had the opportunity. Am I going to take responsibility here for the moral good, for the good, the good moral vibe in our family? Am I going to contribute to that? Am I going to take responsibility? And I decided, you know what, I'm going to change my attitude here. And I didn't go around and apologize to everybody. Probably should have. I thought, you know what? Let me just demonstrate. Let's just do this different. And I did apologize to Ann later. But I said, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility. Love leads means I'm taking responsibility for this family. I'm taking responsibility for this relationship. Are you with me this morning? Instead of pushing it on the other person, I'm going to own this thing. Joyce Meyer said this. And I've quoted before. She said, your happiness is not someone else's responsibility. And your unhappiness is not someone else's fault. Love leads means I take the responsibility for loving you. Number three, love leads means I understand I cannot change you. I can only change me. Love leads means I cannot change you. I can only change me. Carrie grew up in Detroit, Michigan. The first tree that she saw was planted in a sidewalk. And it had one of those metal gates around it. I grew up in the country. Trees everywhere. Climbing trees. We grew up in two very different worlds. She was a city girl. I was a country boy. And the city girl and the country boy, as it goes, got married one day. And this country boy thought, well, if she loves me, she will love what I do. And I expected her to become a country girl. Right? I expected her to love the outdoors and and to love digging in the dirt and getting hands dirty. And I expect her to go out and hunt and fish. We've been married for 23 years now. And the only time she goes hunting is when she goes to bag and save. (laughs) She goes to Kohl's. She goes to Sephora and she goes hunting and she comes back and she goes, look at the game that I hunted. Look what I caught. Right. And I'm like, man, this is this is not what I expected when we got married. Right. And I've learned that I cannot change her. I cannot change her. And I've learned. Listen, guys, I've learned that she doesn't have to love what I love to love me. And I don't have to love what she loves to love her. It's called unconditional acceptance. An unconditional acceptance says you are not me and I am not you. And you get to be you in this relationship and I get to be me in this relationship. It's called unconditional acceptance. In 2008, Carrie and I, we went out of town to pray and and to uh, discern the future of glad tidings and put together a strategy moving forward. And it was a very important meeting that we had together in 2008. And it was a very productive meeting. And on our way home um, from this out-of-town trip, we began to discuss what Carrie's future role would look like here at Glad Tidings. It was a very important conversation. I, I remember it very well. But let me give you the context at that point. 
We had been married for 16 years at that point, and all of those 16 years, she had, she had abandoned her own dreams to help me see my dream come true. She had abandoned her dream to go to graduate school and to start a career. She abandoned all that to help me be successful. Let me give you an example. A week after our honeymoon, we moved 800 miles away from her family, my family, so I could go to Bible school. She, she didn't go to graduate school at that time. None of that. She said, you know what? Let's just do this thing together. And here's what happened. We, we moved 800 miles away. We moved to Springfield, Missouri from Lansing, Michigan. And uh, we, had, uh, we had no jobs lined up. We had a deposit on a small one-bedroom apartment. And I had an acceptance letter from a college called Central Bible College. That's all we had. And we moved down there with very little possessions, no jobs. We both started looking for work. She found a a full-time job, not in the career field that she was planning. And she worked full-time and I worked part-time. And we tried to stay out of debt throughout those school years. And throughout those four years of Bible college, she she just kept giving and kept giving and giving. In fact, we joke about it now. She wrote my first three papers in Bible college for me. Why? Because I didn't know how to write a paper. (laughs) Please don't call the school and tell them that. All right. So she was there. She said, don't give up. You can do it. You can do it. And she showed me how. And I finally learned. And and four years later, I graduated Bible college cum laude. And I was that was like amazing for me to do that. And then we moved here to Omaha, Nebraska, 1996, Glad Tidings Church. And we became youth pastors at that time. I was on staff. She wasn't. She was just there again to volunteer. And once again, she said, you know what? I'm going to surrender my, my, my ambition to go after graduate school. I'm going to surrender that. I'm going to surrender getting a full career. And she, she gave full service, full volunteer service here at the church. Why? To help me again succeed. She worked uh, in youth ministry doing the administrative work. She led our worship team. She led our young adult ministry. Uh, she, she taught classes. She did the counseling. She was there nonstop, 24-7, right along my side. And we had a great youth ministry going on. And during that time, she, she gave birth to three amazing children. That's amazing, right? And during that time, we went through some very difficult transitions here at the church as well. And uh, and then here we are. I'm the lead pastor of the church 2008 and the weight is huge. I'm feeling the responsibility and she's feeling it, too. And here we are. We're, we're in the car and we're driving home. Remember, we're driving home from this strategic planning retreat. We're talking about her future role in the church. And she says something. She drops this bomb. And I was shocked. And this is what she said. She said to me, I'm done. You're on your own. I wasn't laughing. I said, what? I said, what do you mean? You're done. And I'm on my own. I said, I need you. You can't leave me. We're a team. We're doing this together. She goes, let me, let me clarify. She says, I'm not leaving you. <laughs> I'm not leaving the church. But my role in how I support you is going to change. I need the freedom to be me. And at that point, I realized something. I wasn't going to change her. I wasn't going to change her mind, right? But something had to change. I had to change. I had to change and I had to realize, you know what? I need to give her unconditional acceptance. 
I need to give her the freedom to be her. I need to give her the freedom to pursue what God had put in her heart that she had put on hold for for 16 years. Are you with me this morning? I needed to change. I needed to go, you know what? I'm going to be more dependent on the Holy Spirit and on our team that God is building around me, which we had a great team. And Carrie said, you have a team now. You don't need me like you needed me before. And so I accepted that and I embraced that. And can I tell you, it was a win-win situation. Didn't feel like it that day. But God has been growing his church. He's been growing this team. He's been growing my wife. She's able to step into things God has put in her heart. But what did it take? It took it took love leads. Love leads means I take the responsibility for this relationship. Love leads means I cannot change the other person. I can only change me. Are you with me this morning? Number four, love leads means I cannot control you. I can only control myself. I cannot control you. I can only control myself. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is called what? Wife control. Kid control. Come on, parents. Isn't that why God gave parents to control kids? Isn't that how it works? Boss control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Or I'm trying to manipulate that relationship just right. I'm trying to control it. No. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Self-control. You can't master people, but you can become a master at how you respond to people. You can become what Danny Silk calls a powerful person. Listen to this. He describes in his book, Keep Your Love On. He writes this. He says, powerful people take responsibility for their lives and their choices. Powerful people choose who they want to be. Powerful people don't try to control other people. They don't they know it doesn't work and that's not their job. Their job is to control themselves. He writes, they don't try to get people to respect them. They create a respectful environment by showing respect. They deliberately set the standard for how they expect to be treated by the way they treat others. They are consistently, they, I'm sorry, as they consistently act in responsible, respectful, and loving ways, it becomes clear that the only people who can get close to them are those who know how to show respect, be responsible, and love well. How many of you want to become that kind of person? A powerful person. A powerful person. When you begin to learn to control yourself, you become a powerful person. And powerful people have great influence. Not control. They have great influence on other people. I think Jesus was a powerful person. Jesus had great influence, did he not? When he went into a city, crowds would gather. When he walked into a room... People took notice when he opened his mouth. People would listen. Why? Because he was a powerful person. He had power, but it was under control. He had self-control. He had self-control over his tongue, over his time, over his response to people. He spoke with authority. He always told the truth, yet he was never controlling. He took charge of himself, not others. And he said this, nobody can take my life. I lay it down of my own accord. 
Peter once tried to take control of other people and he cut off the ear of the high priest servants when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus said to Peter, don't you know that I could call on my father and he would at once at my disposal give me 12 legions of angels. Jesus was a powerful person. But again, he didn't he didn't control others. He exercised self-control so you and I could be saved. He could have called 12 legions of, of angels to deliver him off the cross. But he exercised self-control. He said, no, I'm going to control myself here for you. To save you. Can I tell you that when you begin to control yourself, you become a powerful person. And you begin to influence the relationships around you. Or if you don't like the powerful person idea, you can become a powerless person. Danny Silk describes a powerless person as this. Powerless people, they need other people to protect them, to make them happy and to take responsibility for their lives. Powerless people approach relationships like consumers. They're always looking for other people who have resources of love, happiness and joy to offer in a relationship because they don't have any of their own. They subconsciously think you look so happy. I need some of that happy in my life. We should get together so I can consume all of your happy. <laughs> a powerless person will consume whatever another person will offer up until the life of the once happy radiant flower has been mowed to the dirt. I remember when Carrie and I were in pre-marriage counseling, our pre-marriage counselors, they looked at me and they said, Walt, they said, you need to see Carrie as this beautiful flower and you need to let her grow and let her bloom and let her shine her beauty and her sunshine and her light and her fragrance. And you need to let people see that you need to let her be her. And I said, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And then we got married. And that control thing went in, right? Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Gals, you might even know what I'm talking about as well. We try to control that other person and, and shape them and, and manipulate them. And listen, you can manipulate and you can control a person and you will get a response, but it will not be a loving response. It will not be a loving response. And in the end, it will produce more death than it does life. And so the counselors told me, they said, Walt, you need to let your wife shine. Let her be the person God created her to be. And I'm so glad that she's doing that. Aren't you? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Lead yourself to become a powerful person. One who becomes powerful not by not trying to control others, but through self-control. Finally, number five, love leads means this. It means I have to manage my expectations. I have to manage my expectations. Don't put the expectation on the other person. Put the expectation on you. Expect, I expect me to love you. But I cannot expect you to give me a loving response in return. I can't. Because I can't change you. I can't control you. All I can do is put the expectation of this relationship on me. So many times we, we enter into a relationship, no matter what kind it is, with these really high and unrealistic expectations. This is the person who's going to make me happy. This is the best friend that I've always longed for. This is my fishing buddy that I've always wanted. He'll never let me down. 
And then he forgets to bring the fishing poles, right? I mean, you know, we've got all these expectations that we put on other people, and sometimes we don't even realize that. We get disappointed because we have misplaced expectations. The expectation needs to be on us. When Jesus took the lead in loving us, he didn't expect every one of us to give a loving response in return. We know Jesus loves everyone, but not everybody loves Jesus. And you can love everybody too, but not everybody's going to love you back. And so we have to, as we lead in love, we have to manage our expectations. We have to put the expectation on us and not the other person. As we come to a conclusion here today, I want to I wanna instill some hope in you. Because I imagine that this morning there may be a few of you here today, or maybe there's a lot of you here today who you've kind of given up on relationships. I talked about things being broken earlier on in the message. And you may go, you may be saying this morning, man, I, I know broken. I'm right in the middle of broken right now. And Pastor Walt, I don't know that I, I can even hope for a positive change in my close relationships. I don't know. I just, I, I've given up on others changing. Good thing. But what we don't want to have happen is you've given up on you changing. You have the ability to change. You have the capacity to change. You may not feel like you can, you can do this thing called love leads. You may not feel this morning like you have the strength to take responsibility. You have the strength to change yourself. You have the strength to control yourself. You have the strength to manage your expectations. But you do. And God can help you. You may be in the place this morning where you re- realize that the first thing that you need to do for love leads is you need to, to receive that love from God once again before you can give it. Let me give you some hope this morning. One last scripture. David wrote this scripture and it's Psalm 119 verse 32. I love this scripture. He says this. He says, I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. I will run the course of your commandments. And let's say one of the commandments is love one another. I will run the course of your command to love one another. For you shall enlarge my heart. How many of you have ever... Well, let me just say this. Sometimes we need God to give us bigger hearts. How many of you have ever heard of the movie Secretariat? Secretariat. Raise your hand. You've heard of the movie Secretariat. The Secretariat is a movie about a, a great racehorse. With the name Secretariat. And this racehorse was like no other racehorse of its day. It had this capacity. It had this speed. It had this stamina. And it would always finish ahead of the other horse. Amazing horse, Secretariat. Well, when that horse died, veterinarians discovered why this horse had such an incredible stamina. Why it had this speed and stamina. They discovered that Secretariat had an enlarged heart. In fact, the heart of this horse was three times the size of an average horse's heart. They estimated it's if the weight of that heart was 22 pounds. Huge. That's how this horse was able to run faster and run further and have this kind of stamina to give that the other horses didn't have. How many of you know, what would happen if God gave us a heart that was three times the size of the hearts of those around us? Do you think we could, we could love further and love bigger and love with greater stamina? Do you think we could do that?
Do you think if God enlarged our hearts, we could really love one another as Christ loved us? I believe we could. And I want to pray that for you today. If, if that's in your heart this morning and, and as we're closing, you go, you know what, God, I need that. I need you to enlarge my heart. I want you to just stand to your feet and we're going to ask God to do that for us this morning. God, we want to lead the way in loving others. But there's some things that have to happen inside of us first. And we're going to pray like David prayed. Enlarge our hearts. Enlarge the capacity of our hearts, God. God, I pray for those that their receiver is broken and somehow they're not able to receive and believe those love messages that you have for them. Lord, we pray today that those walls, those barriers would be broken down and those, those antennas, if you will, would be healed and made whole. Lord, we know it takes a lot of courage to lead in loving other people. And so we ask for that courage this morning that you would give us the courage in our hearts to take the first step, God. And as, as we're praying here, maybe God has put in your, in your heart a particular relationship. and You're thinking about a, a really good friend and you need to take the lead in that relationship. Or maybe you're thinking about a spouse or maybe you're thinking about a child and you're expecting a lot from that child, but you're not expecting the same amount from yourself. I just believe that the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than me and so much bigger than us this morning. And he's directing your thoughts to a particular relationship. And I want you to just offer that relationship up to God this morning. And, and if you're ready to take the lead in that relationship, tell the Lord that, God, I want to take responsibility for my part in loving this person. can't change them. I can only change myself. I can't control them. I can only control myself. But God, I need your help. I need the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Thank you, God. Lord, we do pray that we would have these close relationships that are healthy, God, so that by this, everyone will know that we are your disciples. And we ask God that you would do it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, as we wrap up this morning, uh, some of you are here today and um, you need an enlarged heart. Many of us do. But some of you need a brand new heart today. God has not yet removed that heart of stone or that heart of sin, the Bible calls. And God has yet to give you a brand new heart, one that is free of sin. One that is free of shame and free of guilt. You still have that old heart and God hasn't given you that new heart. And he wants to do that. The Bible says that when his spirit comes to live inside of us, he gives us a brand new heart. And so maybe for you today, that's the first step. You can't love anybody until you have received the unconditional love of God. Until you've received the forgiveness of your sins. And you've received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I want you to come down and, and see me after service right up front. I'm not going to make a big scene. I just want to know, hey, that's where you're at. And then I'm going to have one of the teams pray with you. We want to celebrate with you how God this morning, this very morning, 
wants to give you a brand new heart. Amen? Others of you would like prayer. Our prayer teams will be available. God, as we go from this place, God, God, help us to be great receivers so we can be great givers of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.